A 55-year-old woman is experiencing nausea and heartburn. She also feels an episode of back pain that's different from the pain that she's felt before. She continues working through her day at work, but eventually just feels too fatigued to carry on. She decides to go to an urgent care center and is treated for acid reflux and given a referral to a GI doctor. Welcome to The Hurt by Dr. Mira Kirpaker and Dr. Alopi Patel. We are the female pain docs. This is a platform to contribute to the public discourse on women's pain and general health. We are here to empower women and men to engage in the advancement of their health with discussions of evidence-based medicine, unconventional topics, lifestyle modifications, and more. The views contained in this podcast are our personal views and do not represent the views of our institutions. This does not substitute medical advice. Please be evaluated by a physician if necessary. Welcome to season two of The Hurt by the Female Pain Docs. We are so excited to launch this season after our summer hiatus. It's been quite a few months and we're eager to share some exciting new updates. So based on our feedback from our listeners and social media followers, this season we will be focusing on more aspects of lifestyle medicine. During our first season, we discussed many topics relating to women's health, including pelvic pain, labor epidurals, pain during pregnancy, breastfeeding, and more. During our first season, we both also began our process to become board certified in lifestyle medicine, which is essentially a branch of medicine focused on preventative healthcare and self-care for the prevention of disorders caused by lifestyle factors. So basically preventable causes of death from factors such as poor nutrition, physical inactivity, chronic stress, and self-destructive behaviors, including the consumption of tobacco products, drugs, or alcohol. We have been working diligently on our board certification and can't wait to share what we've learned about this, and especially as to how it relates to chronic pain. So stay tuned for upcoming episodes on how these factors affect chronic pain and tips to help improve chronic pain by simple lifestyle modifications. So coming back to today's episode, as you may remember, last season's premieres episode was about chronic pain and women. Now, we talked about how the word hysterical comes from the word hystera, which means uterus in women. And for thousands of years, women's physical complaints were dismissed as due to their uterus, when in fact there were other underlying causes of pain and symptoms, including fibromyalgia, migraines, endometriosis, and more. So circling back to that, we wanted to launch the season by talking about what fundamentally makes women different from men and how important these biological differences are in chronic pain conditions, you know, as well as overall women's health conditions. So for years, science has largely assumed that women and men's bodies overall function the same, minus like, you know, some minor differences here and there. But the reality is that there are many, many differences, and this ultimately results in differences in how symptoms present, how men and women cope with their illnesses, how we metabolize medications, and so much more. So now, unfortunately, inadequate representation of women in clinical research has contributed to this lack of understanding of these differences. But thankfully, times are changing. So for example, it was only as recent as in 2007 that the FDA recommended that studies should be modified so that there's analysis that's broken down by sex to understand any positive effects and adverse effects that may be present. So it was also recommended that both sexes should be included in medication trials in sufficient numbers to detect sex or gender effects. 
So what this means is that essentially women need to be represented more. And it's shocking to think that most medications and treatments prior to this never even looked at sex-based differences. You're absolutely right. It is unfortunate that for centuries, medicine failed to understand that there even were sex-based differences in women. And we will get a bit more into how that lack of awareness has unfortunately led to poorer outcomes for women to a certain degree. Now, before we really get into the nitty-gritty of this, we want to clarify a few terms. When referring to the sex of a person, we are referring to the sex that was assigned at birth based on the appearance of their external anatomy. It's important to note that a person's sex is actually a combination of bodily characteristics that is based on chromosomes, hormones, and internal and external reproductive organs. So there may be many people who do not always fit exactly into these binary categories. So for the most part during this podcast, when we refer to women, we're referring to people who were assigned as a female at birth. And we understand that the word women can also be a person's gender identity, even if it does not match the sex that they were assigned at birth. So for the bulk of this podcast, we will be referring to women's health based on the female physiology for this episode. So why are sex and gender important in pain? So there are a lot of factors that actually go into the experience of pain, and this depends on biological factors, psychological factors, and social factors. So it's not just a kind of one-size-fits-all. So it's also known as the biopsychosocial approach to understanding and treating pain. So what does that mean? So there are many factors that can play a role in the development, experience, and progression of pain, depending on the person's biological sex and what they identify with as well. So biological factors include genetics, neurochemistry, and other sort of physiological mechanisms. Psychological factors include the concept of self-efficacy, catastrophizing, which we'll be talking about in another episode, anxiety, depression, how you cope with your problems, and more. And then social factors include socioeconomic status, social support, social learning, and more. So these all together play a role in how a patient experiences pain. So as you can see, you know, when a woman is kind of called dramatic or hysterical, it's not that simple. There are so many nuances that play a role in how a woman may experience pain that's not simply due to her coping mechanisms, even if they involve a catastrophizing component, which again, like I said, we'll talk about in more detail in an upcoming episode. And men and women just simply don't function the same, like period. Exactly. And the reason for this variability does come down to our biological differences in the form of hormones. And you may know, but both women and men have the sex hormones estrogen and testosterone, but the amount varies in each sex as well as throughout their life cycle. So let's keep it simple, but let's start by thinking about a woman's life cycle versus a man's life cycle. For a biological male at birth, their life cycle essentially begins with infancy and they grow eventually enter puberty and continue their lives until they eventually may have a partner and or possibly have kids with their partner and again continue their lives with employment eventual retirement with old age and so on now let's go through the same thing for biological females at birth a female is born and goes through her infancy and into puberty and then goes through monthly hormonal cycles with menstruation while continuing their lives and education throughout these years, they may get married or have kids at some point after puberty, and this comes with more hormonal variability on top of the monthly hormonal changes, so changes in hormones from pregnancy, 
postpartum, breastfeeding, and perhaps there may be the use of contraception during these years, of which many are hormone-based. So again, variability in their hormone levels during these few decades of their lives. And then suddenly, these hormones, again, shift. You hit premenopause. Now, during this time, the hormones are fluctuating again. And then you actually hit menopause. That's the beginning of menopause after 12 months of not having your period. And now, over this time, there is a drastic reduction in estrogen, which continues to slowly decline as you get into old age. Now, that was not as simple as a man's life cycle, huh? And again, this does vary as not every person will have the same life cycle progression in terms of pregnancy, breastfeeding, hormone treatments, and more. But the point of this exercise was to emphasize that a woman who was assigned a female at birth goes through many, many more hormonal changes than a man. So what does this all mean in terms of pain and other women's health conditions? Dr. K will get more into that. Thank you. So, I mean, Dr. P, that was that was a lot. That was a lot, right? That was just so much variation in a woman's life cycle compared to a man's life cycle. And then as Dr. P mentioned, estrogen and testosterone are generally the two major sex hormones, and they play a major role in many, if not most, bodily functions. Now, they both exist in both males and females, but in different amounts. So as Dr. P mentioned, they can fluctuate over time, but in general, both estrogen and testosterone increase during puberty and then decrease over time, whether gradually in males or dramatically after menopause in women and females. And now we're not going to go into details about how they affect your bones and your brain, your blood vessels and more, and they do, but let's just talk about how they play a role in pain processing. So generally speaking, estrogen can either dull or worsen pain depending on where in the body it is and how much of it there is. So estrogen can sensitize pain receptors and increase something called neurogenic inflammation. And this increase in inflammation and pain can set the stage for the central nervous system to be involved in chronic pain, aka your brain and spinal cord. And that's why often many pain conditions can better after menopause because of that drop in estrogen. Now, again, I do want to note that this is, you know, a pretty simplified explanation and there are a lot of nuances to all of this, but we can't really get into all of that in just one episode. So our goal was to really drive home the point that men and women simply don't function the same and hormones play a huge role in these differences. Yes. And actually, let's start with a quick exercise. So picture a person who is having a heart attack. Now, let's talk about what you just pictured. Let me make an assumption. You pictured a man who is having either chest pain or left arm pain. But what if we told you that heart disease is also the number one killer in women as well? And what if we told you that women don't always present the same heart disease symptoms as men? Again, men and women are different. Women with heart disease may present with no symptoms or even different symptoms such as pain in the upper abdomen or back or nausea, vomiting, stomach upset, or fatigue. And not all women who present with these different symptoms may be evaluated for heart disease. So remember that patient at the start of the episode? That woman may have been a patient presenting with heart disease, but often their symptoms are not worked up for a cardiologic cause. And I actually want to quickly take a tangent to highlight a physician who fiercely emphasized this point to address cardiovascular disease in women. Bernadine Healy was a cardiologist. She became a physician during a time that not many women were accepted into medical school. And not only did she become a physician, 
but she was also the first woman NIH director, which is the National Institutes of Health. Shortly after she was appointed to head the NIH in the 1990s, she launched the NIH Women's Health Initiative, which was a $500 million effort to study the causes, prevention, and cures of diseases that affect women. And this was a remarkable feat because this was long overdue. And one of the analogies that she used that has really resonated with me was when she compared the treatment of women in medicine to the heroine of a short story by Isaac Bashevis Singer named Yentl. Yentl was a young woman who had to disguise herself as a man to study the Talmud, which is the main religious book in Judaism. She had to literally dress like a man and present like a man to study the scripture. Dr. Healy pointed out that this is similar to how women who have heart disease have to essentially present with the same symptoms as a man to be diagnosed and treated the same way. And as we mentioned before, women are inherently different from men. We don't always have the same symptoms for the same pathology. So why would men and women have the same criteria for diagnoses, which have primarily been based on research in men? That is something to think about for sure. And thankfully, you know, we've come a long way since then, including with research as well as awareness for women's health. But we have a long way to go. Let's kind of talk about some healthcare concerns that have a larger and a higher prevalence in women, as well as some lifestyle interventions that you can start incorporating to prevent some of these issues. So let's start with breast cancer. It is October, which is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, which is when we've you know, chosen to launch our second season. So breast cancer is the most commonly diagnosed cancer in women and the second highest reason for cancer-related death in women. One in eight women will get invasive breast cancer in their lifetime. One in eight. I mean, that can mean at least one, if not more women in your group of friends will be diagnosed with breast cancer, which is really scary to think about. And with more and more research being dedicated to breast cancer, we're understanding that there are many genetic and lifestyle-related factors that can play a role in breast cancer, including obesity, diet, exercise, alcohol use, and a lot more. And osteoporosis, now that's another health condition that is predominant in women, and especially older women. So osteoporosis prevention can also start from a young age, as bone mass peaks in a woman's 20s. So you can decrease your likelihood of osteoporosis by adding more calcium to your diet including in the form of dark leafy greens before peak bone mass, but it's still never too late to add a little more, you know, healthy diet in. Some other conditions actually that are more common in women include anxiety, depression, and autoimmune diseases. Now, while gender may play a role in mood disorders, this may be due to a complex role of hormones, and same goes for autoimmune disease. Fluctuating hormones may play a role in a woman's susceptibility to stress, brain function, immune reactivity, and overall inflammation. It's not really easy being a woman, huh? But that doesn't mean we can't still implement a healthy living to prevent and improve certain conditions. And this again goes back to lifestyle medicine and how important nutrition, exercise, stress reduction, sleep, and limiting toxic substances play such a huge role in both women and men's health. I completely agree. So we covered a lot in today's episode, and we just want to remind our listeners how far we have come, but also how far we still have to go, which is so much more awareness that's needed for women's health. So share today's episode, follow us on social media, and please feel free to reach out to us with any questions, any concerns, anything you want to tell us. We're so excited to share more on our upcoming episodes. 
We would love to hear your thoughts. Visit our Instagram at the female pain docs for more content. Send us an email at the docs at gmail if you have any topics in particular you would like us to discuss. You can also visit our website at www.thefemalepaindocs.com. See you next time.